Well, the purpose of music for the soul is to be a bridge of hope to healing for people who are going through difficult issues, and we use songs and stories to share the compassion of Christ with people on things so that they will know that they are not alone and that God loves them. Welcome to First Person, a weekly conversation with a guest who tells their story of God at work in their life and calling. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and our guest this week is Steve Seiler of Music for the Soul. We'll begin talking with Steve in just a moment. These programs are produced with the cooperation of the Far East Broadcasting Company. Through radio and internet broadcasts, FEBC reaches people with the gospel of Christ, always using the local language to tell the good news. Learn more about FEBC by clicking on the banner at firstpersoninterview.com. And that website is also the place to go to learn more about each week's guest here on the program and to hear previous broadcasts you may have missed, firstpersoninterview.com. Steve Seiler is a songwriter whose music always points to God as the healer and redeemer. He's written and produced several CDs that thematically address some of life's toughest issues. Now, the first half of today's conversation took place a few years ago when Steve and I talked about his life story. Then, in the second half today, we'll bring you up to date with a more recent conversation talking about his new book, Music for the Soul. But we start with Steve's explanation of how God led him to write music in the first place. This is kind of embarrassing. I was uh, 16 years old. And I, I was not a church-going person. And I had this girlfriend who had 31 inches of blonde hair. <laughs> and she said, hey, how would you like to go to church with me this Sunday? And I was like, yeah, uh, that sounds great. <laughs> anywhere that hair goes, anywhere, I'll go. <laughs> anywhere your hair goes, I'm there. And so uh, I went to church with her that first Sunday and, uh, and then another and then another. And then they wound up having a revival at that church and— uh, one night I found myself uh, walking down the aisle and saying, uh, I feel something happening in my heart. So I have to give a shout out to Robin, my uh, my girlfriend from way back in the day, uh, because uh, it was it was through her invitation that I was in that church and, and had my first experience with Christ. Where did that happen? That was in Southern California in a suburb called Tarzana. Uh-huh. So you're, I didn't realize you were a Southern California guy, though. I was born in Kokomo, Indiana. And uh, my the, so the story goes, my dad was watching the Rose Bowl game uh, one snowy sub-zero day, New Year's Day in Indiana, and uh, was watching the game on television. Of course, it was the proverbial 75 degrees and sunny in, mm-hmm. in Pasadena. And apparently he turned to my mom and said, I could be an electrician there. <laughs> and uh, so they, they loaded up the, the car, and three months later we were living in Southern California. Mm-hmm. So. And I bet you were glad. Uh, very, very glad, and I thank my parents multiple times for that because growing up in in the San Fernando Valley where I did, it was a hotbed of musical talent. Uh, the guys from Three Dog Night went to my high school. Uh, Tom Scott went to my high school. The guys from Toto, Toto was actually formed in my high school. Is that right? So the, the musical talent in our school was ferocious. And we had uh, the the lady who uh, conducted our choir was in the Roger Wagner Master Chorale at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. So even in the classical divisions, uh, our our school was very talented musically. And so you, as we you know were competing in that friendly sort of way of oh well listen to what I just wrote or listen to what I am playing you know it was the kind of thing where uh, just by being in that environment you were learning and stretching and growing. So musically, where did it start for you? Well, uh, this is so unoriginal. 
Uh, it started uh, with uh, let me Be- guess piano lessons. Uh, it's, no, it started with the Beatles. Did it? Uh, I, you know, I was watching television and and the Beatles came on and sang "I Want to Hold Your Hand." And you're dating the, yourself. The you girls know. were all, exactly the <laughs> girls were all screaming, and I said, "Well, that looks like a good job," you know. <laughs> and asked my dad for a guitar, and and uh, right away because they were writing, uh, I was way more interested in writing than really learning the instrument. And by the time I was ten, I had written several songs and recorded a little album with my mom, and yeah, I was on my way. Was there a merging of your faith when you became a Christian walking down that aisle at that church then with your music immediately, or did it come about slowly? Well, uh, there was a little flash there. I wrote one song called No Greater Love uh, right after I had my uh, salvific experience. Uh, but that was the only one I wrote. And then uh, I didn't really merge my faith with my songwriting until many years later, and that was after I had the experience of having my first hit single on the radio and feeling absolutely nothing and, and, and realizing that there was nothing of me in the song that was on the radio. I was just aping the culture, giving them what I thought they would pay for. But I'm sure you chased that dream for many, long... many, many, many years. I chased that dream for, you know, uh, the first dozen years of my adult life. And so, you know, it, that horrible feeling of, okay, you have now achieved what you thought was the goal, and, and when you feel that emptiness and realize uh, that's not it, uh, I, I literally went into our church in Southern California, a little brown church was open 24 hours a day, and I went in the middle of the night and I said, Lord, I know you gave me this gift of music for a reason, and I also know that whatever that reason and purpose is, I'm not using it for that. So please show me what I'm supposed to be doing. Was there a uh, a voice from heaven? What what happened then? How did, how did you know? How did, how did you get confirmation? Actually, it, it was very very clear. Uh, it was about a week or two later. I got a call from a gentleman that I had never met before. He had visited my church on a Sunday where I had happened to play one of the three Christian songs that I had written to that point in my life. A song called Even Me. And he called me up out of the blue and he said, uh, "My name's Steve Brighthop." I'm producing a play on child sexual abuse, and uh, I wanted to have songs, and I believe you're the the man who's supposed to write them. Hmm. And so, I, you know, I kind of held the phone out from my ear and looked up and thought, like, well, this is awful specific, Lord. Yeah, and uh, how, how old were you at the time? 33, okay. I guess. But still, to write songs about that theme. Well, you know, it, it was so specific, and I thought, but I prayed, and this felt like an answer to prayer, so I went and met with him. And he put the book down on the table that the, that the play was based on, and I looked into the eyes of the little girl on the cover, and I said, uh, I don't know what I'm agreeing to, but I'll do it. Hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever gotten down on my knees next to the piano and just said, Lord, if you think that I'm worthy of this task, then I'll, I'll, I'll take it on. I read the, the book. It was a children's book. I wrote the songs based on the content in the book, took them to a therapist that I knew on a Friday, and on Monday she said— uh, I hope you won't be angry with me, but I used your songs with clients over the weekend. Oh, boy. And that was my first uh, experience of the fact that music could be for more than dancing, Mm -hmm. that it could actually be used as a healing agent uh, for somebody who had been deeply wounded, and that it could be a a way of God sharing his love with somebody. So did that experience set the course for you then? It was no turning back? Well, I think it it did in this sense. Uh, I came up at that point with a mission statement for my life, and I'd never had one. Um, and that simply was that from that point forward, my music was going to convey the compassionate heart of Christ. 
And if and if a song wasn't going to do that, then it wasn't mine to write. And so it was amazing to me the opportunities that then began to come my way. It was like once the mission statement happened, the opportunities framed themselves to to align with the statement. It was it was unbelievable and just a series of songs that I was asked to write. But that had to be a step of faith because you still have to make a living. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not going to suggest to people that, you know, bada bing, bada boom, there you go. Now we're off and running. <laughs> but I will say this, doors that I'd been banging on for years to try and break into the secular music business, once I made this shift, a lot of doors started swinging open. Hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, when I finally did get to work with some le- literally legendary artists, it was through this kind of work, not through the kind of work you would expect. Mm-hmm. What was the next marker then as you look back and see how the Lord led? Probably the next thing was I was asked to write a song called We're All in This Together for an AIDS fundraiser. A dear friend of mine, had her best friend was dying of AIDS. And I was one of those Christians, and maybe it was because I grew up in California. But from the very beginning, I thought Christians were on the wrong side of the AIDS thing when it was all like, you know, it's it's this— uh, uh, Declaration, a lot of finger pointing. Yeah, a lot of finger pointing, and I just thought, no, you know, we're supposed to, we're supposed to love people, and and so when she asked me if I would write the song, I said absolutely, and I wrote this song called "We're All in This Together," and uh, it was just for this fundraiser uh, at the time, but what wound up happening was Patty Austin recorded it, uh, the jazz singer from New York, and and it wound up being a. uh, a song that was sung at the quilt ceremony in Washington, D.C. for like mm-hmm. a quarter of a million people. And then it wound up being the title track for a GRP fundraiser record um, for that issue. And it wound up actually being the song that got me my Christian publishing deal. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So do you, I mean, looking back now, you can see the seeds of what you do now, Music for the Soul. Absolutely. But you probably didn't recognize it at the time, did you? No. I I will say there was one moment when I was playing a song called Innocent Child from the the Child Abuse Project that I spoke of earlier at a a conference for incest survivors. And a woman walked up to me afterward and she said, people have been telling me I was an innocent child my whole life. I never believed it until I heard you sing it today. And when she said that to me, Wayne, it was like, I knew she had said something very important to me, and I, I knew I was supposed to do something about it, but I wasn't really sure what. And as I look back, I really believe that was the seed that was planted that gave birth to Music for the Soul, because that's what Music for the Soul is. It's, it's using songs to sing to people the messages that they might not hear in any other way. Well, since that conversation, Steve has written a book called Music for the Soul, and we'll talk about that next on First Person. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC partners with First Person to bring these interviews to you each week because we never tire of hearing how God moves on the hearts of people to accomplish His purpose. Whether in the hard-to-reach places of the world or right here at home, we serve a living God who leads men and women to do great things for Him. Learn more about FEBC at firstpersoninterview.com. Click on the FEBC banner. My guest today is Steve Seiler of Music for the Soul, and Steve has a new book called Music for the Soul, Healing for the Heart. And Steve, everything we've heard from you on the program thus far today was actually recorded a few years ago when you and I sat down in the studio, but there's some new things that have come about that I wanted to bring everyone up to date on. So 
This half of the show, we will uh, we'll talk in the present, in the now. Is that all right with you? That sounds pretty good, Wayne. <laughs> thanks, and thanks for joining me from a studio there in Nashville uh, for, My this, pleasure. Uh, for this part of the interview today. We spoke about your testimony, and the facts have not changed. I mean, but, you know, new things are happening all the time. Let's talk about Music for the Soul, this organization that you set up a few years ago. We, we started talking about it a few minutes ago, but what is the purpose of Music for the Soul? Well, the purpose of Music for the Soul is to be a bridge uh, of hope uh, to healing for people who are going through difficult issues, and we use songs and stories to share the compassion of Christ with people on things so that they will know that they are not alone and that God loves them. It's very effective. It's it's uh, it's not just Thank music you. for music's sake. It's music for healing's sake, and that's what makes this extra yes. special, isn't it? Yes. Well, you know, in my in my regular uh, you know contemporary Christian music songwriting career, I just saw the power of a song so many times to open somebody up uh, when they were having difficulty with something. And and you know, I know God God was doing that on purpose, but for me, that was happening accidentally. And I thought, what if I got up every day and thought about the issues that are facing people in this culture? that are the most difficult to talk about, and and then purposefully researched and wrote songs that uh, connected with those difficult places, uh, and and did it in a way where we, we, we really unpacked those issues. Uh, you know, on our records, we start from trapped in the issue, trapped in the problem, and walk through the healing steps to freedom. And so, uh, I thought that would just be, if we did something intentional like that, I thought, wow, how, how might God be able to use that? That. And so that was really the, the process for coming, coming up with Music for the Soul. Yeah. Let's give everyone an example of what we're talking about. Choose one of the projects and just describe it in a little more detail for us, Steve, if you would. Okay. Well, for example, our piece for people who are caregiving for a loved one, uh, fastest growing demographic in the United States, and you know something that's kind of catching everybody by surprise. But as those baby baby boomers age, uh, there are a lot of people who are getting squeezed on both ends. They got college students who aren't leaving home, and they got parents who are coming back home to live, and that can be tremendously challenging. So, uh, on that record, for example, the very first song starts with. Uh, the person who is receiving the care singing a song about what it means to them to have the person care for them in that way. And that song is called Dignity. You know, the way you love me gives me dignity. And then we move through some of the, the process of, of the frustrations and challenges of being a caregiver. There's exhaustion involved. There are, uh, you know, there are uh, frustrations involved. There are, you know, people have dementia or memory issues or medical issues, medicine issues. There are all these things that have to be dealt with in the caregiving process. And what we do is we use songs to help be a companion on the journey for those po- folks who are walking through those steps. There's even a song on there that talks about uh, you know, no matter how good of a job I do with this, eventually you're going to pass away. And and dealing with the issue of, of what kind of a reward is that for all that hard work to know you're going to lose somebody. Sure. So we deal with these really difficult heart places on issues that impact us, you know, an issue like caregiving, but impacts us physically, emotionally, financially, and spiritually. Yeah. And I know you have tons of evidence, many responses to the Ministry of Music for mm-hmm. the Soul. Just characterize some of that. What what are people saying back to you when they when they benefit from this music? 
Well, it's interesting. The, the phrase that I just used in talking about dignity, was that was one of the first things I heard from somebody. Uh, she said, you know, it's like having a support group in my living room. I, I can't leave the house because I have to be with my husband because he needs full-time care. But having this music, it's like it's a companion for my journey, and I can just sit in my own living room and listen to these songs or even listen to them while I'm caring for him, and I don't have to be alone. You know, so that's what we want people to know is that, that God is with them in these in these struggles and that other people have been when, where they are. They're not doing this alone. Yeah. Well, Steve, we heard uh, a good part of your story today, but not the whole story. We won't have time to tell your uh, your complete <laughs> story here today. But you have written a new book that tells in more yes. detail how God has led in your life. So let's talk about the book for a moment. Uh, you know, I never intended to write a book about music for the soul. And, and all throughout the years, people would say, oh, that's such a great story. Why don't you tell that story? Why don't you write that down? You know, all these miracles that happen in the process of doing the ministry. And I thought, I'm too busy doing the ministry to, to stop and write <laughs> stuff down. Uh, <laughs> but then one friend said to me, you know, it would really serve the ministry well, because the more people are aware of it, the more people understand what you're doing and how it works, the more likely they are to, you know, to come back and look at the music itself and maybe use some of it. And that just made a ton of sense to me. So I thought maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to sit down and take some time and write the story down. And and you know, Wayne, what was fascinating in that process was what a gift it was to me mm-hmm. because you know, you get so forced for the trees when you're working on stuff like this. You know, we're in the middle of a project and we've got deadlines and we've got interviews and we've got recording and we've got budgets and we've got all the stuff we're working with. And so, you know, all this stuff is happening and you kind of blow by it to what, what do we have to do next? But in sitting down to write the book, what I saw was 15 years of God's faithfulness, was I saw the way things fit together in a way that I never had in real time. And I, I had a chance to, to remember all the blessings of the people whose lives we've touched, the people that I've met uh, who are on the front lines in, in counseling on issues like pornography abuse and eating disorders and suicide grief and all these things we've dealt with that are so difficult. It's just, it's been such an honor to meet those people and to see how God is moving in their lives. So it really was a great gift to me. And I hope that as people read it, you know, I would really love it if the takeaway for them would be that that God is in the healing business and that songs can play a very important role in that process. And just maybe it'll give a chance for people to kind of reflect on their own lives and the way that God has moved uh, miraculously to bring hope and healing to them. Yeah. Well, as we speak today, my my hard copy just arrived in the mail, so I haven't read the whole thing yet, but I've I've gone through a little bit here, and it's very exciting to hear more of the detail of how God has led and provided for you during the years, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And I, yes. I want to commend you for that because this is a faith ministry. This, this is not a... Uh, this is not a, a real lucrative business for you. I mean, this this is no, by faith, no, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you know I, I jumped off a cliff when because because when I when I left the music uh, you know the contemporary music business, I had a very lucrative staff deal. I was one of the better paid contemporary Christian music staff writers at the time, and my wife and I were on the way home from a banquet one night, and I just turned to her and said, "Honey." I'm supposed to quit. 
I'm supposed to start this ministry. And at the time, my wife was in, in graduate school, so I was the sole financial supporter of the family at that time. And she looked at me and she said, if that's what you feel like God's calling you to do, let's go for it. God bless her. And wow. so, yeah, it was a leap of faith for her and for me. Uh, and I jumped off that cliff, and it, I talk about this in the book, that literally within two weeks, I had a man that I had, had not even known a year earlier. Uh, we'd only had a couple of breakfast meetings. I told him what I was planning to do, and he replaced uh, my annual salary a- a- in one meeting. Yeah, I happened to open to that chapter and read that part of the story, yeah. and it, it's thrilling. It really is. Well, you know, it's it's kind of like one of those things where, it, you know, it's so tempting to want evidence you know, God, can I ju- can I just have a little bit of light on the path before I step? <laughs> and the answer, really, Wayne, is no. <laughs> we lift our foot in faith and trust that when it reaches the ground, the road will be there. And that's that's the way this ministry has gone. Now, I do make a habit of not spending money we don't have because I f- I find that that <laughs> that's is that's a, a pretty a smart thing. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> so. It's a way to get into trouble. But I will, like, for example, the record we're working on now, we don't have the full budget. We have a third of the budget. So I do, do I begin the record in faith? Yes, I do. And, and so we start the process trusting that as we move through the process, God will meet our needs. And we're 15 years and 12 projects in, and so far that's worked every time. And it, it, it's a miracle every time. So for me, you know, God doesn't have to give me evidence. You know, he is not required to do that at all, but he has graciously done just that through this book. As I look back at this book, if if I don't have faith, I got no excuse because God has met me time and time and time again when, when the, on paper it just didn't seem to work. Well, I'm going to read the whole book now, Steve. You convinced me. <laughs> no, and we'll make this uh, this known on our website, firstpersoninterview.com as well. And uh, although we aren't playing any of the music here today, I am I know that that can be sampled online as well. So uh, look for the link at firstpersoninterview.com. Yes. You know what we did? And I can't believe I did this because I never thought of myself as a 21st century guy uh, with all this technology stuff. But we put QR codes in the book so that as somebody reads the chapter, if the, if they're interested in hearing that song, all they have to do is hold their phone up to the book and Perfect. boom, you're, you're listening. Perfect. Yeah. Love the tech. One last question, yeah. uh, Steve. Sure. What's ahead for Music for the Soul? What's, what's your vision? Well, uh, we have several projects that we want to do. I want to continue uh, making records about things that matter. Uh, you know, Gloria Gaither said of us so so graciously that Music for the Soul writes and sings songs about things that matter, and we want to keep doing that. We have a film in the works for child abuse survivors. We have uh, a, a video in the works, a, a new music video and documentary in the works. So we just want to keep creating quality Christian media that speaks hope and healing to people who are who are carrying deep pain over over these difficult issues. Steve Seiler of Music for the Soul. Here's a partial list of the themes he's written songs to address, breast cancer, pornography, eating disorders, caregiving, and special needs children. And for more about Steve, his ministry, and the new book, Music for the Soul, please visit firstpersoninterview.com. Steve is helping people who are struggling with some of life's most difficult issues, and no doubt you'll find resources that will help you or someone you love in a very meaningful way. Again, go to firstpersoninterview.com. And if you'd like to interact with us with a comment or suggestion, you can do that at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. And download our free app for smartphones and tablets from your favorite app store, and in that way you'll never miss one of our weekly interviews. 
Take us with you in the car with the app found at both the Apple and Google Play stores. The app is absolutely free. Search for First Person Interview at the App Store. My thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for their support of today's program. Learn more at firstpersoninterview.com. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard inviting you back to join us next week for First Person.